Hello, my Frankly Ferguson friends. Today, I am interviewing Robbie Cyber, an award-winning mixologist, father of two little girls, and someone who has basically held every position available in the restaurant industry. He is about to embark on a new journey by opening up his own multi-food service and bartending business, and today he is here to chat with us all about that and also Thanksgiving. The meal, the prep, the drinks, all of it. So welcome, welcome, Robbie. Thank you very much for having me, Erin. So nice to hear your voice after 20 years or so. I know. It's so crazy uh, how how time flies and how young we still are. Bingo. <laughs> um, so let's start this interview by chatting a bit about your career history. So you've been working in the food and beverage industry for over 30 years now. And as I stated earlier, have held almost every position within the industry, from washing dishes to a general manager's position, bartending, sous chef, all of it. You've really, you've done it all. So what sparked your passion for this industry and gave you the drive to keep wanting more? Well, really, I, I got into it. In the fir- I loved food since I was a little kid, um, not just eating it, cooking it and <laughs> serving it. Um Saturday afternoons, there were cooking shows on PBS all day long. Both my parents were um, really into the kitchen. Um, so I was all, always into you know food and entertaining. That was really a big part of my childhood. Uh, and then when I got older and started working, um, I used my passion for food and my um, I was starting. I wanted to be a musician. That's really what got me going. And that was the the curve that took me into the restaurant industry. Uh, I wanted to be a musician and that is hard to make money doing that. So uh, in order to make some money while pursuing music, um, I ended up working in restaurants, which is a a great way to, you know, many artists and writers and, and thinkers and whatnot do the restaurant industry because of that, um, you know, so many jobs and you could do so many different things. Anyhow, I, I started that and um, I'd say probably about 15 years old. The first job okay. was um, coffee, espresso, <laughs> uh, cappuccinos, a, a little barista job. Um, TCBY in the good old New Providence, New Jersey, even <laughs> frozen yogurt. So now, um, but now really the um, restaurants and, and music was the major tie in together. Um, and then all of a sudden the, the music became less of a passion and food became real serious for me. Right. Right. And it's something that I think, um, like you kind of pinpointed, you know, creatives really do kind of search out that industry to supplement when they are trying to follow their passion and take that lead into music or acting or singing or writing. And so to kind of, go in one direction toward one passion and to have another one ignite is kind of a special thing, you know? Yeah, it's exactly what happened. And it was, it was completely unexpected. And, and then, you know, life, life happens. You, I, I got married, I had children and, and all of a sudden, you know, playing at the stone pony every Saturday was not likely. And, um, you know, I wanted to be around for my family and, and uh, so that's what happened. So I, I ended up really diving deep into a career in, in restaurants. Yeah. And around 2009, you actually started to really focus on the beverage side of things and took on a role as 
the bar manager at the Gladstone Tavern in New Jersey, where you spent over 11 years tending and managing the bar. And what's interesting is that most people would think that that's just the position where you're standing behind bar and serving beers and mixing vodka tonics, but it's really not. What most people don't realize is the extreme talent that goes behind being a mixologist. So during the 11 years you held that position, you helped develop and innovate a constantly changing and evolving beverage program, which is incredible. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and what that all entailed? Uh, yeah, uh, Gladstone Tavern, I took over the, the bar program in 2009, like you said. And uh, it, back then, you know, vodka tonics were, st- you know, still what most people would be ordering in bars. Um, you know, certainly at that time, big cities had real fancy bar programs, but in the suburbs, it was still, you know, we were still just kind of touching on on what we now know as mo- real modern mixology. And um, I, you know, I look back at the menus from the earlier years and I kind of giggle now, you know, I had like cocktails like a John Daly, which is simply vodka and uh, iced tea and lemonade and, uh, you know, tasty drinks that do that do well. Um, but I'm, I was working in a restaurant that had beautiful food that looked like art on a plate, um, you know, that was really well thought of from the chef. And um, my job was to think that same way, but from the bar side. And once I started thinking that way, uh, making drinks became a, a, a real passion for me. And I used that artist, musician, jazz, improvisation concept and just moved it over to working with um, alcohol using herbs and syrups. Yeah. And you guys um, built a garden, didn't you, to kind of supplement that and bring tie that all in and bring all of those fresh herbs and everything into your drinks and also the cuisine at Gladstone Tavern? We did. He, um, we, the chef had a seasonal menu. We did, we changed the menu every quarter, basically. Uh, so the menu would reflect the, the foods and tastes of that season. Our proximity was uh, to many farms. So we were able to get awesome produce, but buying herbs um, all the time was just getting a little much. So we wanted to uh, grow our own, so to speak. And we built a beautiful little herb garden uh, right next to the terrace outside. Um, you know, I said, oh, I love helping plants. So uh, we, we went in, I went in one day and we started to uh, get ready. And all of a sudden a Home Depot truck rolls up with uh, pallets of wood and and many, many, many bags of stones and and uh, soil. And all of a sudden it turned into a construction job. Uh, lasted <laughs> lasted three days, but uh, it is beautiful. So you can walk through it and, and see what we're growing. And, um, you know, it's it's nice. It's, you're sitting having a cocktail on the terrace and you see um, see a chef go outside with scissors and cut cut fresh herbs that they're literally using on your dish 10 minutes later. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I, you know, there's a couple of restaurants that started doing that, but not many. And the ones that do, you really get this different kind of um, like a feeling, a different kind of feeling. And it's a different kind of flavor. You know, we, a lot of us cook with dried herbs. I know I do a lot of the time. And when I actually get a fresh herb, there's nothing like it. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's a burst of flavor. So having that right there and accessible for the food, for the drinks, that's that's, that's awesome. right. Did you have a favorite cocktail when you were uh, doing all this? Um, oh boy, that's almost like about your favorite child. No, I, 
Um, <laughs> Some days I do have yes, one. Yes, no, Some this days. is true. None of us will admit that, right? But I, I will. I, no. I will cop to that. That's sure. Uh, no, uh, favorite cocktail, I, as far as drinking is a different story. I, I just enjoy really good tequila on the rocks. But making cocktails, okay. uh, there was a cocktail I came up with. Uh, I called the Sophia Loren, um, mm. who anybody much younger than us might not even get the reference, but, but yeah. anybody older would definitely uh, get the reference. She was a bombshell, absolute beauty. And um, yeah. so I, I did a cocktail with her, her as the inspiration. And um, the drink was uh, Italian in nature using uh, blood oranges, which are native to Italy um, and fresh basil, uh, which also obviously basil and Italian cuisine go hand in hand. Um, I use vodka as the base and then uh, Campari, which is another Italian spirit. Uh, and that drink was just gorgeous. The color is beautiful. There's, there's the layers of flavor. And um, whenever I put that on a menu, it just, we couldn't, we couldn't stop selling it. It was great. Well, I was going to say even the name. I mean, it just it's attractive just saying that name <laughs> and some may not get it. But if you don't get it, look it up because that name, it's it's attractive. Just saying that's that right. Name. So as a mixologist, you also were invited to compete in New Jersey's Iron Shaker competition. And years later, you served as a judge for the competition. How awesome is that? So are you like the creme de la creme of bartending when you make it to one of these competitions or what, why don't you tell us a bit about that? Well, I would, first of all, the, the experiences were a blast to start. Um, right. But, you know, I, now I am, I would consider myself more of uh, an OG as the kids say. And um, <laughs> the, the New Jersey specifically, the um, mixology field right now is robust. It is right. awesome. Um, there is a, just a bevy of amazing, amazing mixologists through, throughout the state. And I've had the pleasure of a lot of the, the, the um, men and women who are really at the top of the game right now. When I started doing the competitions, you know, probably eight, nine years ago, they were also starting out. And to see a lot of them just rise up and, you know, get television spots and magazines, it's just been awesome. Um, in fact, one yeah. of the, the guys who's just really at the top is a real good friend of mine, um, uh, Bob Frisella, he he runs the bar program at the Summit House, uh, Summit. Oh, cool! And uh, mm -hmm. he he was on my staff for many many years. We we grew a lot together, and and uh, you know seeing him taking some of the things that I taught him, and then learning from other guys, and then moving on to now he's up at the top of his game. It's just been awesome. Yeah, that is that's it's incredible to have that experience where you work with somebody um, that you learn from, they learn from, and, you know, you kind of evolve together. And then to see them shine is like, wow, I was kind of a part of that. You yeah. Know? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it was awesome. And, and uh, you know, it makes you proud, like, uh, like a coach. And then you see him take another team and go win the Super Bowl. You got to be happy. Totally. Yep. Totally. Totally. So during your time working as a mixologist and bar manager, you also worked for your father as a sous chef. 
who I always have trouble saying S's. <laughs> it's so silly, but I like Sue. I, I don't know. I, I messed that up a little bit. But as a sous chef who had his own catering business, um, Supperman Personal Chef Services. So working with your father must have been an incredible experience. What were some of the most important things you learned from him during that time? Uh, well, the most important thing I learned uh, was that it's okay to reinvent yourself. And mm-hmm. that your your job does not define who you are as a person. He he was a a decorated, extremely successful high school music teacher for okay. most of his life, about 40, 30 years or so. And um, and he decided it was time to not do that anymore. And like me, food was a big passion. So he completely reinvented himself from scratch. Uh, and became one of New Jersey's best private chefs. It was it was wild. It was a wild thing to see. Um, but that lesson is what's helping me get through this time right now. Knowing, you know, I like again, I had a job that I was certainly identified by, uh, but um, that's not there now. So I'm reinventing myself, and that's where we're at. It's funny because your father was heavily into music, which you then got into, and your father also had a passion for. Um, food and beverage and all that, which you do as well, and eventually got into as well. And, you know, there's a big um, correlation between like parents and children and, and, you know, the environment that you grow up in and following in your footsteps. And this is one of those examples, you really did follow in his footsteps a bit. I did I, from 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 the gate, pretty much even I, I went to college to to become a music teacher, which is what he did. Mm-hmm. And what my mother did until just a couple of years ago when she retired. So music education was really what, what I started to do. Uh, and I learned quickly once I got to school that that's not what I wanted to do. There were other things for me to do. And, um, yeah. but again, the, the apple does not fall far from the tree. And I no. paid attention yeah. as a kid and, and they were both present and I was fortunate for that. And, you know, having, having them both in a kitchen, both have music, Every room I went into when I was a kid had an instrument in it. You know, it was really, really yeah. neat. That is, that's awesome. And it's, you know, it's fun. Um, not only is it fun, but it's such an exciting life when you're creative, when you have a creative mind and you follow the passions of creativity, like from, like we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, music to writing to um, events and design and decor and all of this stuff. I mean, that's something that fills my life mm-hmm. and, and it's been such an incredible journey. And even though for me, I tend to jump a little bit between things because I'm, I'm, I've, I have different talents within different realms. It's always exciting. Every door that opens is it's exciting because there's that creative passion. So I, I can see that within you as well in, in the things that you've done too. Um, so now due to COVID-19, many businesses closed down for several months, including the Gladstone Tavern and the closures left all of us with a lot of time, unfortunately, to sit back, unfortunately, and fortunately, to sit back and kind of um, really figure out what we want to do with our lives. And it forced us to consider other options for many different reasons. So as a result of all of this, you've decided to retire from tending bar by following it once again in your father's footsteps and opening a multi-service food and private bartending business, which is super exciting. So let's chat about that, um, the name of your business, the journey you're about to embark on, 
let us know a little bit about it. Um, and also tell us about the cocktails you've been preparing during COVID and sharing with everybody as well. Sure. Uh, well, as far as the business, um, 2021 is when we're going to start to see some real movement. Uh, it's yeah. an odd time to be doing this, but, um, <laughs> but what, I, what I've decided is um, I'm not comfortable just sitting around all the time in my house. So after working, right. you know, my entire adult life and then being forced to not work for several months, uh, I definitely want to get out there and, and contribute to the world again. So, um, however, right. my skill set is, you know, music and food. And right now, though, mm -hmm. you know, the there's sort of pinpoint on how you can actually make money doing that. So I'm going to use those those skills and we're going to we're going to do some, you know, small deliveries, catering um, parties uh, that are safe in nature at this time. Uh, and, you know, home cooked food is important. And there's a lot of people who are not going out to restaurants right now. And. and might be right. tired of cooking every darn night. And, uh, you know, I think I could offer some people a little diversion here and there. Um, beyond the cooking, though, what I'm really hoping to do is broaden the net by offering many services, uh, including um, right. cooking classes specifically for kids. Um, going back to that uh, teaching passion and pedigree, um, you know, I, I have a program to do you know, private or small group cooking lessons for kids. And it's a blast and something to do that can be done um, digitally right now while things are, are the way that they are. Um, and eventually would, you know, be able to do the lessons in someone's home uh, and perhaps one day maybe have a brick, brick and mortar. But right now uh, the idea is to try to uh, adapt with the times and um, provide really good food and uh and bartending if needed i adore <laughs> absolutely adore the idea of kids cooking classes um virtually right now we're all at home um it looks like we're we're gonna be at home a little bit more um coming soon and so to really like kind of break out of that net of oh my god i can't take this for one more day turning to virtual and, and doing stuff like that is so important to keep our, ourselves sane. And it's important for the kids. And even beyond this, um, you know, if, if people can't get to a class and want to do something virtual or whatever, I think, I think that's so great. And it's a skill that so is so lost. So many people uh, are not teaching no, their children. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, we have so many options. You have restaurants you know? and takeout and all that, which is great. And if you want, if I want to have a business, I'm going to yeah. count on people needing that food. However, I enjoy cooking because I watched my parents do it and learn from them. And uh, we're all so busy now. That was the one positive, I believe, of this this last several months has been we've, we were forced literally to uh, really slow down and, and realize that I think we're all going too quickly. And, and if we take a deep yes. breath here, maybe things can can get not not normal, get to a new normal that is good. And, and comfortable right. and and, uh, and I think we're going to be all right. Yeah, and put a little bit more heart into our lives and some of the traditional things that used to be so respected, maybe bring that back. I mean, I remember um, my grandmother and grandfather cooking and 
you know, I really didn't learn cooking from my mom. She, she made the same <laughs> basic stuff, meatloaf and chicken fingers and, uh, you know, macaroni and cheese and that kind of stuff, which all of her dishes were very good, but they were very, you know, every week we kind of mm-hmm. had the same thing. And so I remember going to my grandparents' house and them whipping up all of this different stuff and Thanksgiving was so incredible and Christmas was so incredible. And, so over the years, I started taking recipes from them. And when my grandfather died, I got all of his recipes and I started cooking and baking more and everything else. And now I'm just hugely, hugely into it. And I, I bring my girls into it. I bake with them all the time. My one daughter loves cooking with me. It's really important. So I think that, you know, on top of your catering business, which is, uh, of course, something that's needed, um, even during these times, it, it adds a little excitement to our lives to get that really good meal, you know, delivered to us. But also for the kids, um, I think it's so important to to have that kind of a program. And I think that's that's going to be yeah. huge in your business. Um, it's something that we're, we're missing for sure. Um, and then during this time, you've also been posting fireside cocktails, <laughs> which has been so much fun to watch. We've tried to make uh, one or two of them. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that, too? And if, and if you're continuing to post those. Where so so fireside them. cocktails started as a um, uh, a coping mechanism to not go absolutely crazy. Uh, that was probably about the <laughs> second or third week that we were kind of kind of locked in or whatever. Um, I just oh, yeah. said, I, you know, I, bearing in mind for 10 years before that, nearly every day of my life was different and interesting. And I had people come in that would tell me stories from all over the world. And people would, you know, people in Gladstone had wild jobs and I would be part of their daily lives. And and for a decade, I mean, I became real, really part of these people's families. And then just completely ripped out of nowhere. So, you know, for 10 years, every day was something new and an adventure. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting in my bedroom every day for three weeks. I organized my closets. I made the sourdough. We did everything. So I finally got so crazy. I felt I really (laughs) felt a disconnect to people. And uh, my wife had suggested, why don't you do a um, just do a cocktail video? Do do one and see what happens. So I did. And, um, you know, it was organic. I did a. I can't remember what the first one was, a Manhattan or something. It was an old classic cocktail. You know, I threw a little a little humor to make sure people felt comfortable. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, it, it really started getting some traction. I did a one the following Friday. More people got interested. And then it sort of turned into a, a, a little thing. It kept getting shared. And uh, it, it was quite fun. So I have... I don't know, maybe a dozen or so weeks worth of cocktail videos archived um, on a YouTube channel. And uh, on my Instagram, you could see some of those as well. Uh, I did one as recently as two weeks ago, and uh, I have some plans for the holidays. So you can stay tuned for some holiday videos. That's awesome. I, I loved it. It was, um, you, you have a really good Yes, they said too. the Bob Ross of Mixology <laughs> is what yeah, absolutely. And what you're like going through it and everything, it's it's right. oddly calming. <laughs> and the other thing is that it's fun. Right. It's fun to try new things, especially during this time. And when you're someone working in a position like you did, someone who's very social, I mean, that must have been yeah. really maddening. crushing. I, I understand yeah. how crushing it, it was. Yeah, it is. It's maddening. So trying to find that outlet um, 
that outlet was probably huge for you. And, and it worked because I, I mean, I, I shared it a hundred times. I know, yeah. I know others shared it. It was, I, I really enjoy watching those videos. So I hope you, yeah. I hope you stick yeah. to them. <laughs> so Thanksgiving, give me the scoop. What should we be making? What should we be serving? What's your favorite dish? Tell it. Well, so it having worked basically every Thanksgiving for the last 12 years or so, uh, I am beyond excited to be home for the entire Thanksgiving weekend. I, I literally was probably 16 years old the last time I was around for a normal Thanksgiving weekend without traveling or, wow. you know, if I was off on the actual day, the night before I was working until two in the morning and the and Black Friday, I'd work all day. So I, I, I haven't had this opportunity ever. And uh, I'm really excited. And I am basically, uh, I'm hosting a very small family gathering. Uh, and we are mm -hmm. going to have a classic and modern Thanksgiving. Um, I feel like people want to have the things that they had growing up. It's a comfort thing. It's sure. consistency. It makes people feel good. Uh, but I also, in my household, have a reputation for some tasty, innovative food. So I'm going to put some fun, interesting things on the table as well this year. I'm doing two turkeys. That's exciting. So one of them is going to be your classic, you know, classic oven roasted, basted, etc. Uh, and then the day of, I'm going to smoke a turkey. Yeah. We do that every year too, because uh, you know Jeremy, he loves smoking uh, meats and stuff. So we we smoke one and we put one in the oven. But for some reason, I think well, I'm very <laughs> excited about the the smoked turkey. I've got a I've got a couple of new tricks I'm using this year that I haven't done in the past. There's going to be a butter injection, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so what about your side? Uh, so same idea. We'll, we'll be doing the classics, um, you know, uh, classic mashed potatoes. We have a broccoli cheese casserole in my family for many years with Ritz crackers that we, you know, everybody likes. Um, you know, the whipped sweet potatoes, marshmallows, all, all the classics. Uh, and then I'm going to throw in uh, my favorite thing to throw onto a Thanksgiving table is completely counter to what everybody is expecting everybody is expecting starches and um you know brown foods and white foods and all this uh that makes you want to sleep on the couch mm -hmm. so i like to put some color on the table um <laughs> and and a little bit of nutrients for that matter so i i like to do roasted vegetables uh and in the fall and early winter like right now there's a lot to offer uh so i'm putting on uh tricolored or rainbow carrots with parsnips um, and that peeled and roasted tossed with a little uh, a little honey butter with some herbs will just really wow some people and put some color on the table like I said to to really counteract all those starches that that people are cl clamoring for yeah, I can actually see the colors in my head. Like when you said the rainbow, the rainbow carrots, I can actually see them in my head. And I'm like, that yeah, I'm, I'm very so excited nice about that one because it's, you know, you have red and purple and orange, and then you throw some bright green parsley on and, and the honey just and butter sort of makes it shimmer. It's just going to be a really good looking dish. Plus you're sneaking vegetables in on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I. I know, which, you know, it's so funny, but our vegetables, we, um, 
were big in casseroles. And I changed up a couple of years ago where I did like a twice baked potato casserole that I got from a friend, which is incredible. And then I, no one ever ate the green beans, you know, everybody, I, I'd make green beans with these like roasted um, almond almonds that I sliced and, and all this other stuff. And it, they would sit there and I was like, I green bean casserole and of course everybody loves it and it's like so everything is like casseroles and like you said a lot of uh, a lot of starches (laughs) but so it's probably going to be nice to have that on I did I made a carrot recipe once where I um grated orange zest with with honey and that that was really good too um there is uh there actually funny you say that there is a tablespoon of orange juice in my recipe ah see see (laughs) there you go so how about dessert are you someone who dives into the sweets realm a little bit or not so much so um you know if i was on a desert island and was forced to produce dessert i could make it happen uh (laughs) but i i live with my um wife's mother grandma grandma kentris and uh definitely on thanksgiving but really most of the time um she handles the baking in this household gotcha and uh and she will be making i don't know like nine pies or something ridiculous for like the six of us wow <laughs> so it'll be it'll be wild in our house but uh, yeah no we let we let her pretty much handle the desserts um i just don't think i'd want to even scratch that surface because that's you know sacred yeah and when you're when you've got such a you know passion for the other side of things it's kind of hard to yeah not that it's hard it's hard to cross over but it's a lot it's a lot of work I mean what you do in your regular cooking versus you know baking is they're both very involved things so yeah yeah, I want to give credit to pastry chefs because it's not it's not just baking. It's not just putting oh. Duncan Hines in the oven. There's a lot of no. science and math behind it, and uh, it, it's pretty intense. Our cooking, the, the way I cook, I, you know, I will use recipes, and I, if someone asks for a recipe, I can give one to them. Uh, but I like my food to be like music, my music, mm-hmm. where it's it's um, improvised and um, it's how I feel. And I use my eyes and I use my taste buds. And that's how I really like to cook mostly. Yeah. A beautiful symphony of flavor. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So um, uh, where am I going next? So basically I wanted to see next where people can find you. If they want to hire you, if they want to check out your fireside cocktails, if they want to find some recipes, videos, tell me everything. Where, where sure. are you uh, well, to, to get in touch, first of all, the easiest way to get in touch with me would be simply my email, which is RobbieSybert at Gmail. Uh, that should be pretty easy. Uh, Rob, I, the, spell your last spell your last name. Um, we'll actually spell it all out. <laughs> so it's R-O-B-B-Y-S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Okay. Um, I have two Instagram pages. One is uh, at Mountaintop Barbecue, mm-hmm. and barbecue is spelled out in that. Uh, and then uh, the other one is at Tequila Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then the, they could find you on in that, and that's on Instagram. That's on Instagram. Yeah, uh, there should be a link to YouTube on both of those pages. Uh, otherwise, you would search for Mountaintop Barbecue and Mixology. Gotcha. 
And, and uh, like I said, all of those forums would have some videos and content. I put pictures up of, of what I'm cooking constantly. And, um, you know, occasionally I'll put up a drink picture. Um, if I see something in the world that I think is awesome and I grab a good picture of it, I'll put that too. But for the most part, you can count on seeing really nice pictures of food that'll make you hungry. Your pictures are amazing. Every time I see them, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so hungry now. They, they're incredible. And I'm sure they, that your recipes taste, taste just as good. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining me today, Robbie. All my best with your new business and everything you've got going on. I will be following you to, to stay uh, up to date and also to find out about those kids classes. Cause that is definitely something I would love my kids to get involved in. Um, and I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been really fun and it was nice catching up and we will talk soon. Yes, definitely. So thank you for tuning in my FF fans. I'll be taking off for the next two weeks, but we'll be back soon with some new interviews. So have a wonderful Thanksgiving and remember to start each day with a grateful heart. Gobble, gobble, y'all.